Today is Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate the, the birth of the church, the, the giving of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to read from Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through about 18, where we're going to stop. So let us read Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came the sound of a rushing and violent wind that filled the entire house where they were seated. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, living in Jerusalem. And the sound of the crowd gathered was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judah and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you for your word, the gift that it is, and just pray that on this Pentecost Sunday, as we look at these verses, that you be at work among us, and all that is said be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we have Pentecost, and this rushing wind, and violent, it says a, a violent wind appearing among them, and the wind representing God's spirit and presence, the breath of God. In both Hebrew and Greek, the, the, there's the word for breath is the same word for, for wind. In Hebrew, it's ruach. In, in Greek, it's pneuma. Or this idea of the wind of God's presence showing up. It's a beautiful image. But it's also strange. You get tongues of fire and speaking in other languages. But I want us to think about it this morning. What's going on here? What's the, the, the meaning and the purpose behind it's being said here in the text. At first, it takes place during the festival of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was one of the three major festivals for the Jews that they would come back to Jerusalem and, and celebrate. You were expected to if you lived within 20 miles. And then if you lived way out, you were expected just to return at some point uh, in your lifetime and come to the festivals. But they had three major ones. Uh, the first was the Festival of Tabernacles, where they celebrated God's provision in, in, as they wandered in the wilderness for, for 40 years. And then they had the celebrated, celebration of Passover, 
and the festival of, of Passover was where they celebrated being brought out of Egypt, out of bondage, and you had the Passover lamb and being spared, that image. And, and actually, Jesus is crucified during Passover. Well, then, seven weeks after Passover, you would have the festival of what becomes known as Pentecost. It's actually originally talked about as the festival of weeks because it's seven weeks and seven days in a week, so it's a week of weeks after Passover that you would celebrate this festival. So they called it the, the festival of weeks. And because, you know, seven times seven is 49, so it's the 50th day that you had the celebration, that it was on the 50th day after Passover uh, was the celebration, it just got referred to as Pentecost, uh, because Pentecost means the 50th. So this celebration of Pentecost was this festival. Now, what they celebrated during this festival of weeks was first, it was an agricultural festival, a harvest festival, where you celebrated the first of your produce coming in from your fields, and, and you would give God the first fruits out of that, but celebrating God's faithfulness and provision and, and offering to God a portion of that. They also celebrated um, the, the giving of the law, Moses uh, being the one who, God through Moses, giving the law on Mount Sinai was part of the celebration. So here on this celebration of provision and, and God's provision of harvest and, and the giving of the law is when God provides the Holy Spirit and in a different way. It's not that the Holy Spirit hasn't been work in the world. You, you read about the Holy Spirit in the very creation story of Genesis, the, the Spirit of God moving over the water and the Spirit at work all through the Old Testament. But here it's at a different level. Because of Christ paying the price and making a way, the Spirit entering believers and the body of Christ at, in a different and more significant way. So that image there. But then we also have the image of these tongues of fire that uh, is it's somewhat difficult. First, fire is the dominant, one of the dominant images of God's presence all through Scripture. Fire represents God's being there, the, the fire of God's presence. Of, and, and for a good reason. Fire is, is one, it, it attracts people. Um, you know, you go build a big bonfire and people will come out from everywhere. Fire is part of provision, how you cook your food. Fire keeps you warm in cold weather. Fire in the ancient world, it kept the, the animals away, part of protection. And wild animals would, were kept away because of fire. There's a multitude of ways that fire provides. A, a gold or silver smith would use fire to purify, to burn off the, the impurities of the gold. You see that as a biblical image of the refiner's fire. Also, if you don't respect the fire, it'll burn you. So it's, it's purifying, it's attractive, it's part of provision, it, but it must be respected. And all of that are images and ways that it connects with God's presence. So the fire of God's presence coming in these divided tongues 
Well, we wonder why you know, tongues. Well, the word tongue here in Greek means tongue, tongue, like the tongue in your mouth. There's the connection to the, the tongue in speaking. It's the, it's the one commandment in Acts. We already read it and looked at it last week. Where Jesus says, you're, you're going to go and be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. To be a witness, you, yeah, you'd have to speak it. And it is God's presence. It is the, the, the fire and presence of the Spirit that gives the church its message. That's why we often call it the, the birth of the church, the birthday of, of the church, which I think is appropriate. Because also last week we looked at, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells the disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem. He, he doesn't say... You should. He doesn't say it'd be a good idea. He orders them to do it. It's this idea that you cannot be the church. The church will accomplish the mission, and, and to what's going to happen can only happen through God's presence and the Spirit's being at work in the church. All of these powerful images... But, you know, sometimes we get hung up on this speaking in tongues. And we'll pull from other places in Acts or what Paul talks about speaking in tongues. And there is the speaking in tongues of a personal kind of prayer language, kind of ecstatic language, of a language of heaven speaking to God. And personal prayer could even be used in worship, as Paul says, only with an interpreter because people don't understand what you're saying. And I remember years ago doing some prison ministry and, and sharing with people in prison and one of the prisoners saying, well, do you speak in tongues? And if you don't speak in tongues, you, you, you're not a Christian and you need, you're, you're going to go to hell and needing to share that message. And well, that's not really in scripture. Um, even Paul says that's one of the lesser of gifts, why it's a powerful gift and can edify you. That's not the main point uh, of sharing the message. But that's also not what's being talked about here. Because you see, really, if you read this text in Acts, it's not that they speak in languages no one can understand. The amazing thing is they speak in languages that people can understand. That's what brings the, the shock. I mean, all these people, while there's all these diverse countries, people from all these different countries there in Jerusalem is because they've traveled for the festival of Pentecost. And they've come and hear these Galileans are speaking and everybody's understanding in their own language. That really, the, the gift of Pentecost isn't about speaking and things people don't understand. It's about hearing. Being able to hear in our own language a message and a gift of hearing what God has to say for us. I remember having a, a professor in seminary that always talk about the day of Pentecost as kind of being a reversal of the Tower of Babel. If you, if you know the story from, from Genesis chapter 11 where they build the tower and the people want to make a name for themselves and they want to reach God and so they build this tower. God ends up splitting up and dividing them and giving them different languages so they can't work to, to try to, to be God. There's a lot of stuff there, but here, here, we talk about this idea that it's kind of a reversal of that. That all these different languages come together and they can hear. They can hear in their own, own language. That when the church is 
connected to the spirit and presence of God, the message of the church can go out and people can hear it in their language. And it's that God wants to connect with them and draw them to God's self. That's how God works. I've seen God speak in all kinds of countless ways from, you know, God speaking through a, a, to someone over a song that comes on a radio. God speaking in terms of dreams and images and ideas that people will have. God speaking through a movie that they'll see. Or God speaking through a, a sermon or a message or a proclamation. But so many times I, I've experienced where it, it's people hearing what the Holy Spirit wants them to hear. I've had it happen many times, and I've talked to other pastors who've, who've had that happen. Maybe you know, you'll preach a sermon, and then after it's over, someone will come up and, and thank you and say, I just want to say, you know, when you were saying this and when you were making this point about that, and, and this is how the Holy Spirit, this is how God, you really spoke to me. You know, kind of thanking you for something you said, and when they describe it, you're like, I don't remember saying that. Or that isn't even the point I was trying to make. I wasn't even really thinking that way. That, that wasn't even where I was going. I, it's this beautiful thing that God can take, take the message and speak it in a way that people can understand in their own language. In a way that people can hear and that God wants to touch us. And that is part of the gift of the church. The body of Christ. As we are uh, faithful in it. But you know, also, this idea of, of hearing, of all these people hearing in their own language, breaking down that idea of our, our division, frustration, just like that guy in prison saying, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're, you're, you're wrong, you're an outsider. We will, we will cause division and conflict and argue about almost anything. I've heard of churches, you know, one church and the Lord's Prayer will say, you know, forgive us our debts. And another one says, forgive us our trespasses. And they'll argue about it, that one's right and the other one's wrong. And we'll argue about the color of the carpet. We'll argue about style of worship or theological constructs that we have created. The idea of dividing up to who's right and wrong really isn't here. You don't see that here in in this portion of Acts, that out of the, all this diversity, all these different people from all over the known world, God speaks in a way they can understand, draws them to God's self, and they, they're baptized. They become part. They're washed clean and sins forgiven, and the gift of, of unity in the midst of diversity is powerful. And you see that image, that idea, all through scripture but also all through the, the the book of acts it's a major theme this idea of unity in the midst of diversity that we see here people from all different walks of life and nations you, you see it in the lives of the disciples we've talked about before that jesus brings together these odd people that you would just wouldn't even get along with one another and that's who he chooses to be the disciples and to begin the church. And you see it in Acts and in Antioch, and one of my favorite images of it in, in chapter 13, where it describes 
kind of the leaders of the church in Antioch. And the, the shocking thing is there are all these odd people that you would not have expect to be working together from different backgrounds and different history and different locations, different countries. But they're leading the church in Antioch. It, it gets Barnabas almost excited and and Paul enthusiastic over this diversity and that God has brought into unity. That really the gift of the Spirit isn't speaking in ways people don't understand or dividing us over. It is the gift of unity. Drawing us together with one single focus. Because you see, the, the truth is that the disciples, this odd group that God, that Jesus brings together, wouldn't get along with each other. It's Jesus in their lives that is the focus and brings them together. It's the same way with the church. It's the same way with God speaking to us in, in ways that we can hear and drawing us to God's self. Is, it's God that draws us together and brings us unity. In thinking about that, I think about years ago, I went to a concert of, it was a guitar orchestra. And so it was like 50 guitars. And uh, they all had, you know, master's degrees in, in guitar and in music and and the conductor they direct them and, and it was powerful music that they would play and some really fun and exciting music but the, the thing that you think about if you if you play guitar and tuning a guitar you, you all got to be tuned and much like they tuned instruments in the beginning of orchestra but you would think that maybe you could tune one guitar to another you know I'd played for with one or two guitars, and you always just kind of tune one guitar to the other one. one. One being tuned, if it's tuned really well, sounds good, tune, tune the other one to it. Well, if they did that as an orchestra of guitars, if you tuned one to the guitar that was tuned well and tuned another one to that one and another one to that one, another one to the next one, well, if that first, if that's first tuning was just a little bit off, one string a little bit off, maybe the next one would be a little bit more off. And maybe the next one would get a little bit more off to where if you actually did that, it would sound terrible because it would be out of tune. But what they did at the beginning, there was the conductor who had a tuning fork and he would point to a guitar and, and with the tuning fork and tune that guitar to that tuning fork. What made it work, what made it all work together was each, each guitar was tuned to the tuning fork in the hand of the conductor. I think that's kind of how the church is to be. And if we, if we just focus on one another and we think about you know, measuring up to somebody else or connecting with someone else's story or having someone else's gift, it will be a mess. But in our uniqueness and our diversity, if we focus our attention on Christ, tune our lives into the conductor who is Christ, into the life of Christ in us, the spirit at work in us. That's what brings us the unity that we can work together as the body of Christ. And that is when the message can be shared and the witness has the fire of God's presence and God begins to speak in ways that people can hear in their own language and be drawn in and lives changed. So this morning, I just want us to think about Pentecost as the gift of hearing, the gift of unity. As we focus our 
to tune our lives to Christ. It's the heart of how the gospel is shared and reached the world. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you. We thank you for the fire of your presence at work among us. The ways that you can speak in unique languages that speak directly to us. We all have different ways that we connect with you and that you speak in different stories and every one is unique. But you draw us to yourself. May we let Christ be the focus of our lives and tune our lives into Christ and experience the unity and the hearing and the message and the working together as the body of Christ to share the witness and to touch lives in our community and the world. In Jesus' name we pray.